0: Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today.
1: I want to talk to you about dreamers. The last two Sundays, pastors have been talking about about dreams, and I just want to continue in that vein. God, how many of you know God loves dreamers? Man, Abraham had a had a dream, and I want you to just look around you, because you're part of the fulfillment of Abraham's dream. You're part of that fulfillment, and so he loves dreamers. Now, it didn't exactly go exa- as Abraham thought it was probably going to. There were a few hiccups along the road, but, but he was a dreamer. Moses was a dreamer. How many of you know Moses was a dreamer? Moses began to get this dream about getting the Israelites set free. And so he went out and committed murder. I don't suggest that if you have that kind of dream that you go kill anybody over it. Okay, is that all right with me? But he, he committed murder. But his heart was to see Israel set free. He just went about it in his own strength and his own power. And he couldn't do it in his strength he had to do it in God's strength, and it took 40 years out in the wilderness for God to get him prepared to a place to where he could fulfill what God had for him. But he fulfilled it. But one of my, 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 my favorite, favorite of all dreamers is, is Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. And because he was a dreamer, God used him in a magnificent way. pastor told us that fear was a dream killer, And that faith was the foundation and catalyst for godly dreams. So that we can live godly dreams. You know, I had a good friend one time that used to come in and he would get us all excited and all pumped up. And he'd say, whatever dream you you have is the dream God gave you. I I don't think that's right. I think you have to begin to seek God before you get the God dream. And the God dream is the one that you want. You want, to, you want to hear that dream that says, hey, I'm going to move in the things of God, I'm going to walk in the things of God, and I'm going to be of God. But you know, sometimes life gets so overwhelming, we don't have time to dream. I want to give you permission this morning to go back and dream. I want you to take time to dream. You know, I want you to begin to think about things in the context of God, and I want you to, be, to realize that. And I don't want you to moving in fear. Fear will cripple you. Fear will steal your dreams. Fear will make you ineffective. Faith will cause you to go forth when 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 fear will hold you back. You know, I can remember there have been times in my life where fear had a grip on me. Fear had such a grip on me that I didn't even want the other I didn't want the phone to phone to to ring because I was afraid the other shoe was about to drop. Anybody ever been there? And you just, just please, please, what else is going to go wrong? Something else is going to go wrong. My hope, my expectation was that something bad was going to happen. I had no expectation of being having a dream fulfilled or anything like that. I, I, I was totally crippled by fear and what I wanted to do was run away. Anybody in here ever felt like running away? Sure. David tried to run away. How many of you know King David tried to run away? He, he didn't want to be in the situation that he was in either. And so we want to move out of that place of fear. But the only way to move out of fear is to move into faith. Okay, so if I'm going to move out of fear and into faith, then guess what's got to change? There's only one thing that has to change, and it's right here. It's the way I see the things that I'm confronted with as opposed to how I have, I have received them in the past. And I can receive the things now as a stepping stone towards the things of God rather than an obstacle that's going to destroy me where I am. And I have faith that God is able. What did David say when he confronted Goliath? How dare you? You uncircumcised Philistine. How dare you challenge the God of all creation? Not how dare you challenge David. How dare you challenge God. And see, we don't see ourselves that way. We think we're coming up against the challenge and God is up here somewhere. What? God is up here. I want you to understand that to move into faith Mean you're going to have to move into the dream dream realm. The language of the Spirit is the language of dreams. God gives you dreams for a reason. And He wants you pursuing those dreams because He is in those dreams. As I said, Joseph was a dreamer. In Genesis 37.3 it said, Now Israel, everybody know who Israel is, don't you? He's not talking about the land now. He said, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. Boy, would he get put under the dirt today for making that statement. That is not a politically correct statement to say that one of your sons is favored over the other one. But the Scriptures just plainly say that he was because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Here you go. God God said that that Israel loved loved Joseph. And He gave him a coat of many colors. I want you to grab hold of that idea of that coat. Because that coat made him stand out and it caused his worldly brothers to hate him even more. Right now, if you're in Christ, I want you to know you're getting a robe put on you of many colors and when that robe is put on you, you're going to become the object of ridicule from the people you work with, from the people that you hang out with, for all kinds of people, those things are going to come against you and they're going to hate you because you have found favor with God. You have found favor. How do I know you have found favor? Because you going to heaven and not to hell. And that's only because of the favor and the grace of Almighty God. And, and so, his, they hated him so bad. Now watch, God gave him a dream. He saw his brothers and his sisters and his mother and his father bow down before him. And I can imagine he was probably like most babies. He was a little jerk. All your babies in the crowd. It's okay. He was probably a little jerk, and I can see him right now looking at his brother and saying, Y'all gonna bow down before me. Y'all are gonna bow down before me. And they said, Yeah, we'll bow down before you, all right. And then he went and told his mom and his dad, Y'all gonna bow down before me too. And his daddy said, Huh, man, you're getting a little too big for your britches. You're a little too big for your britches now, son. You need to cool it with all that kind of stuff. Even his mom and dad didn't believe the dream. He didn't understand it. He just liked it because he was going to be high and lifted up. And they were going to bow down to him. Little did he know that in order to get to that place, he was going to be humbled to such an extent that he was so excited to see his brothers and his father that he wept before them. And the bowing was an unnecessary thing. Sometimes when we get a hold of what God's doing for us, we all of a sudden obstacles begin to come in our way. How many of you know that He didn't go from the Son of Israel to the ruler or the second in command over Egypt overnight? As a matter of fact, His brothers hated Him so bad, they threw Him in a pit. How many of you ever felt like you were in a pit? How many of you have ever complained because you're in a pit? Don't raise your hand. You might get condemned. Man, you know you're in a pit. They, they, you're scared. There's no water. There's no sunlight. There's no nothing. Here this kid is. He's about 17 years old. And he's sitting in there and, and he's going, what in the world? What am I going to do? I mean, he, he's had a life. He knew where he was going to lay his head at night. He knew what he was going to do. And now for all practical purposes, he's a dead man. Sometimes we have to die to what's familiar in order to accomplish what God has for us in the spiritual. And as long as we're trying to hold on to what we have in the natural, we can't grab hold of what God has got for us in the spiritual. Am I making sense to you? And so his brothers then decided that they'd just make a little money off of him. I had a brother like that. I had bought some promotional items, and with that, they were going to send me a, an electric drill, drill, an electric saw, and something else. There were three different tools that I was going to get as a as a promo for doing that. And so, about a month and a half goes by, and I, I'm, I'm outside one day, and I'm asking Brick, I'm saying, "Brick, they ain't anybody sent my saw and all this other stuff, have they?" He said, Oh, yeah. He said, It's a piece of junk, so I sold it. I said, What do you do with the money? He said, I put it in my pocket. I guarantee you, that's what, the, that's what the brothers were thinking. Man, rather than just kill this guy, let's make a little money off of him. So we're going to sell him into slavery. So he goes into slavery. When they saw him, look what they said of him before they threw him in the pit. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. Herman, put that coat on your shoulders, if you would, and then come back, come over here. I want to come over here. I want to show you something. This coat of many colors was a testament to the fact that he was highly favored by his father. This coat said he was the youngest son. This coat said that he belonged to his father and his father loved him more than anybody else. In this coat, he had an identity and his brothers stripped him of his identity and said, now we've taken that away from you. They actually tore it. You can put it up. They actually tore it and put blood on it. He lost his identity. He was no longer the son of favor. Now he was going to be a slave in the house of Egypt. But wait, but wait God, God had a dream. He was a dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. At that point in time, I don't know about you, but I probably would have been fussing, cussing, complaining, and saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you hate me like this? All I did was tell them what you showed me. And they hated me so bad that they wanted to kick me to the curb and they got rid of me. They sold me into slavery. Mm, That's not what you hear. Not only did he become a slave, he became the best slave to the point that Potiphar said, come into my house and rule over the things of my household. Then he was falsely accused. Now wait, this is the man God had given a dream to. This is a man that God was preparing to be the second in command of Egypt. This is a man that was he was preparing to be a savior for his own family. He didn't know that at that point in time. This was, this was a man that God was going to use mightily. And here he is. He's been thrown in a pit. He's now been sold into slavery. Now he's been falsely accused by a woman. And now he's been thrown into prison. Isn't that the way you would have your dream come to pass? I want you to know some of us have been cussing and fussing because the road has not been smooth. We've been fussing and cussing because it hadn't been easy. We've been fussing and cussing because God is not doing what we expect Him to do, and that is to bring down every mountain and lift up every low place for us that we can just walk through. As a matter of fact, we want a comfort ride all the way through. We don't want there to be any obstacles or rough things in our path. Even though Jesus said in this world you shall have tribulation. And so we begin to look at things from that perspective and all, and all we can see is the obstacles that are in our way. All we can see are those things, those people that have thrown us in the pit. All we can see is those people that have sold us into slavery. All we can do is see those slave owners that has sold us for another price. All we can see is being falsely accused. All we can see is the prison that we've been trapped in right here. You don't have to go to prison to be in prison right now. God said, "I want you to set free. I want you set free. Some of us get afraid to dream. Well, I've screwed it up so bad. Just keep listening to the liar. Just keep listening to the liar. He'll beat the hell out of you. He hates you. He doesn't take any pity on you. Don't ever think that the enemy's going to have compassion for you. And don't ever think that God, God's not going to allow him to do that from time to time. What? God was with Joseph. God never deserted Joseph. God never left Joseph alone. God allowed all that stuff. Why? He had to shape in him a humility that could handle the power and authority that he was about to walk in. Come on. God's called you to walk in power and authority. But you can't do it if you're not humble because the next thing you know what you're doing is you're selling what God has given you and that's an abomination unto God. You see, when you prophesy for money, you're an abomination unto God. When you lay hands on the sick for money, you're an abomination unto God. When you preach for money, you're an abomination to God. Do you hear what I'm telling? God is telling us here, I'm bringing you sometimes into a humbling place. Not only does He bring us into a humbling place, He brings us to a place to where that we can trust, we can have no trust in anyone but Him. We have to lean into Him. We have to hang on to Him. We have to come to the, to the place where we love Him. Look what He says to us. Even after we've been stripped, even after we've gone through this, He said in Ephesians 2.1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin. You were dead in trespasses and sin. And God loved you. He was there whether you knew that or not. He was calling you up out of that death into that place of life. In Ephesians uh, 1-3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many did He bless you with? Every one of them. First blessing. Most important blessing. He sent you the Holy Spirit. And yet many times we see God is here, not down here. And God said He's here with you, not above you, not below you. He is with you. You're talking about a blessing. You've got the Holy Spirit. What kind of blessing? Do you realize that the entire world Old Testament characters of them none of them had the blessing of the Holy Spirit like you have the blessing of the Holy Spirit at best he would have come and abide on top of them he didn't inhabit them he is inhabiting the people of his of, of His calling right here right now right now you have the Holy Ghost how many times do you say thank you God thank you Jesus thank you for sending me the Holy Spirit thank you that I don't have to walk in fear I can walk in faith I don't have to walk in doubt I can walk in the clarity of what you show me only if it's one step at a time even if I can't see all the way down the road I can see the next step because you live and abide in me so we're blessed we are blessed let me tell you the second greatest thing he did for you forgiveness of sins listen Isaiah said that our righteousness as good as we can be I'm a good person yeah let me tell you how good that is if it's in your strength, it's as good as filthy rags. And I won't go into how filthy that is because it's pretty dang filthy. It's a stench. And God said, that's how good your righteousness is. But he said, I've forgiven you anyway. I'm not looking to you, I'm looking to you for your righteousness. He's given you grace. He's empowered you with grace. Why aren't we walking in that? See, we begin to think about all the worldly things. How am I going to pay my bill? How am I going to get to work? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to, how am I going to? Isn't that exactly what Keith said? Keith said, how am I going to pay this bill? It's kind of been incorporated into my budget. I know what he was saying because I've been there myself. I'm kind of used to spending this money. Now I'm going to have to reincorporate it. And all the time God's saying, if you just ask me, I've got it all taken care of. We have grace and mercy. Aren't you glad you have mercy? You know what mercy is? You don't have to pay for all your screw-ups. Woo! I am so thankful for that. He's given us the gifts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's given us peace. He's given us joy. You start listening. How many times have you thought about thought about how blessed you are? You know, when we start talking about blessings, well, I thank You, Lord, for my house. I thank You for my car. I thank You. There are people all over the world that don't have those blessings. Those are nice and they are blessings. But I'm going to tell you, the blessings that He had are so much greater than the ones that we're thanking Him for. We need to go back and be thankful for grace and mercy and forgiveness. We need to be thankful for the Holy Spirit. We need to be thankful for the fact that we've been called the sons of Almighty God. We need to be thankful that He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We are blessed. We've been washed in the blood. We are no longer bound by that. The Bible says I'm a brand new creation. I'm not even that same old man. I love when I talk to my daddy and you'd start talking about some of the stories and he'd tell you right quick, that man's dead. And then later on in life, he got, he said, I don't want to talk about those things. And I said, Daddy, why not? He said, That man's dead and buried and I don't like what he did. Let's don't dig him up. You see, when we start digging up the past, we're digging up dead things. When we start defining ourselves by the fact we don't have to have anybody strip us of the robe that He's put on us. We just take it off ourselves and voluntarily put on a robe that is a stench into the nostrils of God. We voluntarily put on all our old stuff. We voluntarily put on all our failures. We voluntarily put on all our sins. we kind of like my dog. I gave my dog a bath the other day. You know what the first thing she wanted to do? She wanted to roll in manure. We get a bath and the first thing we want to do is go roll in manure. See if we can't stink it up a little bit. God said, don't do that. Don't do that. I've given, I've given you gifts. Look what Isaiah said. I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. God, Isaiah said, I understand this, and I'm not yet coming to the place that you're in. We are the bride of Christ. He has adorned us in the beauty of His robe. He has taken that, that, that color robe, that robe of many colors, and it's called the righteousness of God and He has placed it on every one of you and He said, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. I don't care what Beverly Davis said. I'm God's favorite. How about you? I'm highly favored. I am blessed by the Lord. I am so highly favored that he has he has been, been he has poured out his mercy on me, in, in Ephesians two four he said God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up what. He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, we act like we're still sitting on the earth and we're viewing things from this perspective. I've been to a number of Clemson football games at Death Valley in, in South Carolina. And most of the time when I go, I sit down in the kind of the lower seats. And boy, they're good seats. You know, we sat on the 50-yard line, 40-yard line, back and forth. There's one day that Sue and I were going to a Clemson game, and they'd been, they been gave us the tickets. Well, that stadium holds over 80,000 people. And I promise you, there were 80,000 in one there at least. And so I got to get ready to go up to my, switch, my seat, and we kept going up and up and up. And up, and we were in the last seats at the very top of the stadium. I'll tell you how high we were. There was a, a hot air balloon guy flying. He flew, I shook hands with him. That's how high up we were. Not quite, but we were high up. And I told Sue, I said, man, they look like little ants. But an interesting thing started happening. You know, I, I, I'd seen football a lot. i have watched it on television. But from this perspective, as the plays began to develop, I could see everything that was happening. I could see when receivers were open. I could see when, when blitzes were coming. I could see every everything that was transpiring on the field, and I knew where every player on the field was. And all I had done was simply I had come from this level up to this level, and I, what I saw was totally different. Can I tell you, when you come from the earthly level to the heavenly level, what you see is totally different. The perspective begins to change, and all of a sudden, some of what's being called out there, what God is doing becomes, ah, I see what you're doing there. I understand that you're moving me into that place. I know that you're breaking me into that place of where that I can have, I I can have trust in you no matter what's going on. You see, when I realize that I'm seated with Him in heavenly places, that is the very birthplace of dreams. It's not on the earth. We try to both birth dreams out of the earth. And they're carnal dreams. God said, no, I want you to come up and I want you to birth heavenly dreams. Everybody still still with me? I want you to have... He said, so when you realize you're seated in that place, now where is Jesus seated? At the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he's making intercession for us. What is at the right hand of God, God the Almighty? Uh, what is it? the right hand of God the Father Almighty? All the power. All authority in heaven and in earth. When we're seated next to him, we are seated next to every power and authority. The greatest power and the greatest authority in all the earth. He has rule and reign over everything. Come on, give God praise. You may not can see the future, but our God can. He says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the plans that he has for you. He knows where he's going to carry for you. All he's saying is just don't jump ship. Just don't jump ship. Just don't give up. Just don't quit. Yeah. keep doing what I've, what I've told you. He says, take hold of our identity and begin to see through the Father's perspective. We begin to dream the dreams of heaven and not fleshly self-centered dreams. The enemy will continually try to steal our identity. He wants to strip us of that code of righteousness. He tries to convince us we are in a pit, a place of despair with no way to escape. He tells you you're doomed to fail. And many times we rehearse those failures. When you reach that point of hopelessness, it's time for the war to begin. Too many times, right now, what happens is we reach that point of hopelessness, and all we want to do is escape. We want to escape. God said, No, no, no. You need, you need to begin to storm the heavens with your worship. You need to worship like there's no tomorrow. You need to pray until you see the cloud that's filled with rain begin to come your way. You need to stay in the presence of Almighty God until He's turned that fear into faith and He's turned that 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 down place to a place of expectation and so that you're walking in a place of hope and not hopelessness anymore. There is no place in God that is hopeless. That means there's no place on this earth that is Hopeless if you're in Him. Push into Jesus. Refuse to give up. Know that our salvation is with us. Stay encouraged. They believe if they don't give up. I don't care who, where you are right now. Be the best you can be at it. That is not your future. That's just where you are. Joseph's future was not a hole. Joseph's future was not slavery. Joseph's future was not a, a home servant. Joseph's future was not in jail. Joseph's future was to provide food for his family and all of Israel at a time when there was a famine on the earth that nobody could That's where God had him going, but he had to take him through those things in order to get him to the place that he could do what God had for him. God is taking you through whatever is necessary in your life to get you where he's supposed, He wants you, so that you can do what He wants you to do. So quit complaining and start praising. Quit cussing and start worshiping. Where are you seated? And seated in heavenly places. Get your butt up off the ground and get it where it's supposed to be and begin to see through the eyes of Jesus. Eddie, I can't see everything. I don't have to as long as I can see Jesus. See, I don't have to know everything that's going to happen as long as I can keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Because see, He knows where we're going. He's better than GPS. Pastor Herman, he knows. He doesn't get lost when he's going to the soccer fields. God's got you. God's got you. I don't you just stand wherever we are. Pastor Herman said this would be a day of encouragement. I hope you're encouraged. I want you to just prophetically put on a coat, would you? Just right now, just slip your arm in. Put on a coat. coat. We can take it off and we can put it on. Right now, I just want you to put on that robe of righteousness. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're holy. You're beautiful. You're so beautiful. The Bible says that God chose you before the foundation of the world. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're hand chosen. God said, I like them. I love them. They're my favorite. I love them so much, I'm going to raise them up to be the bride of my son. Can you see how beautiful they are? The Lord asked me that question about a month ago, and then He began to give me a glimpse. And the tears just began to roll down my eyes, down my face. Ceased. Oh, God, she's beautiful. Your church is beautiful. I see. I see, Lord. She is yours. And you're in love with her. You see, because when Jesus looks, he doesn't see all the bumps, he doesn't see all the all the blemishes, he doesn't see all the grime, he doesn't see all the infighting, he doesn't see all the bickering and the, and the backstabbing. He sees the beautiful bride. That one that's been set apart for him to dance with it on the streets of the door.
0: You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it.
1: It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you
0: no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.